We are uh, happy today to have Larry Pearson, Advancement Coordinator for Open Arms Ministry over by Swift City, a ministry that uh, continues to help young people and a ministry that we have partnered with. And Larry has come today with some great young people to, uh, to talk about our partnership with them and to thank us for being so generous. And uh, I appreciate that as well, brother. Hey, is that your remote? Is that your remote you got? I need one of those. All right. Well, from now on, folks, things are going to be different around Crossroads. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're welcome, Eddie. I'm, I'm glad I could update you a little bit. <laughs> if you've got, um, you got your bulletin there handy, there's an insert. And um, there's, also, um, there's also a place uh, for some notes on the back. Usually, uh, as a minister, I take my watch off and lay it on the pulpit. You know what that means, don't you, when a minister takes his watch off and lays it on the pulpit? Absolutely nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Um, If, um, if I were to ask you, is God interested in people, how would you answer? That was a little better than the first service, but I think we could still improve. Uh, if I was to ask you God was interested in you, what would you say? Is He interested in the lost equally as He is with you that are in church? Yes. Yes, he is, isn't he? Now, if I was asked you to quote a scripture, most of us would go to John 3.16. Now, can you quote another scripture? And by the way, there's several. We just don't have time to look at all of them today. But uh, there's others that indicate he's interested. Uh, you'll see a few scriptures that indicate part of that. But uh, for God so loved the world, he did what? gave his only son that so whosoever that that doesn't get it until we figure out that whosoever means me all right so for god so love put your name in there now i'm going to say it you didn't say it very loud but it's supposed to sound confusing when you do that so so for god so love put your name in there now, don't be quite as loud on this. You can be on this. But kind of under your breath say, the worst sinner you know, put their name in there. For God so loved, I didn't, didn't, I didn't need, don't be loud about that. They may be sitting at your table. So, <laughs> But at any rate, we got the idea that God is interested, and not just interested, he loves the lost. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish, doesn't mean they won't, should not perish, but everlasting life. And so we want to bring that to him. Now let me ask you this, is God concerned about children? In the state of Indiana alone, in this coming year, twice the population size of Sullivan every year goes into child care of some kind or another. 8,000, 
8,000 a year goes in to the children's services. And so Open Arms Christian Ministries does three things simultaneously. Three-fingered exercise, or if you don't like holding your fingers up, you can open up that trifold that's in your bulletin, and you'll see the three things we do simultaneously. We have a girls' group home for abused, neglected girls. Um, we do foster care, and part of foster care is sometimes foster care to adoption. You'll learn more about that later. And then we have the Turning Point Education Center. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you have accomplished many of the things God has accomplished through you, many of the things you're going to hear about today at Open Arms Christian Ministry. Your generosity has been phenomenal. And there's a lot of other ways that we'll be touching on that you can use not only your treasure, but your talent and your time to help accomplish some of the things that we want to look forward to and encourage you to consider and to pray about. And so the third thing is a Turning Point Education Center. That's where those that have dropped out of school, and now in recent years we're starting to get people in their 40s and 50s because uh, and some that's dropped out. And uh, we'll talk more about that as we go along. But uh, that's what used to be GED training or high school credit recovery, especially some of our young girls that come to us, they're behind. We had a caseworker that came back to us, but when she came, she had a 0.54 average. Uh, and then she finished up uh, uh, some family in Jasonville, took her in, helped her get through college. And she was able to come back as a caseworker years later. And so, um, so God's Word gives us direction about influencing others to come into a relationship with Him. And it starts with me and you seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And then uh, I remember a story I heard when I was a kid, and it's always stuck with me. Uh, uh, We're told up front, can you picture how concerned God is about the loss? And picture that you died and you went into heaven, and Jesus is standing there, and he's welcoming you into heaven. And he says, so glad you made it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, By the way, did you come alone? Did you come alone? And when I told him, well, yes. And he says, how could you? How could you? Now, I know some of us may have some influence we don't know about. And so that is a mythological story. But to me, as a teenager, it impacted on the fact that I have something to share, not something to be ashamed about. And so one of the ways that you can share it is through your mission program, and you've partnered with us lately, and we're Open Arms Christian Ministries. How many things do we do simultaneously? Three. Three. That's interesting, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, we do have some other little offshoots of that, of things that we do. And so um, let's, uh, let's get acquainted with some of the things I've introduced already. Uh, Open Arms Christian Ministries, who are we? Um, I understand uh, from the last service, several people said, I didn't know you guys, you're only 40 minutes away. Yes, yes. Well, Open Arms Christian Ministry has, uh, there's a chapel, is the additional building there. Uh, At the top is the 8,000 square foot Miriam home. And that is the, um, I didn't do it that time, I know. 
last service, it took off on me. Um, so that's the, that's the Miriam home that specializes in girls uh, who we have from five to six months, and they either go into regular foster care, sometimes they don't make it, then they have to go into corrections or hospitalization. And um, pray about those. We uh, limit ourselves to eight to ten. Uh, in a way, we have kind of a, a, a backlog of people that are calling from the state wanting to help these girls. Many of them have been very abused. Uh, ways you can't believe. Some go into foster care. Some, the main goal is try to get them back with families, but the families a lot of times don't show up for the counseling, and so they go into foster care, and some do get adopted. And there on your right side is the uh, uh, administration building, and uh, then that is Turning Point Education Center. That building was a trailer, and it was already only had five years left in it. Two classes. We also have classes in the Turning Point Education Center that is in one in Jasonville. These are for those that have dropped out of school or want to catch up on their, they're way behind and they want to get their high school credits caught up. And then, of course, on the left side is our chapel building that was just put in a few years ago. And so our purpose that you're partnering with us and we're saying thank you for what you have let God do through you, uh, and you're going to see some more of that today, but it's to exalt the Lord, it's to exalt the Lord by sharing whom? through meeting the needs of others. And we're, we target uh, children in need. In fact, the foster care program right now, we're turning down 8 to 12 children a day on average because we don't have enough foster parents. We'll talk a little more about that a little later. And so there again is give the three things that we do. You've got the picture now of what you have been working with and what you have been accomplishing through your donations. We've touched a little about on the headline news now. Uh, you know what some of these things are, and I'm going to go through them rather quickly, and you'll be able to read some of them. Some of them you won't. But uh, in the news on a regular basis here in Indiana, uh, here is a picture of a couple uh, in an automobile, and they're all stretched out, and they are uh, uh, maybe died or close to death, and uh, in the back, uh, with a heroin, heroin overdose, and what's in the back seat? children, anywhere from babies on up. And so you can, you can fill in a, a bunch of these uh, breaking news. You can see the headlines. You understand what we're dealing with. Uh, it's a constant boyfriends and dads uh, beating up on children. In, in Indianapolis, we see regularly. I saw on Terre Haute some of these similar things. All you have to do is just change the wording, change the date, and it just seems to keep going and keep going and keep going. And we as Christians are to be the salt of the earth, and so open arms is one area that uh, you can help accomplish by your time, your talent, and your treasure. You're close enough that you can uh, uh, use volunteer. There's work groups, other things we'll be talking about as we go through some of these. And now, it's not just the children, because there's the families. So, in many cases, uh, there is a father and a mother who aren't always together, uh, but the family breakdown has just been really scary, and some of you have been through some of these things. You found Christ, and you were able to, you were able to uh, uh, get over it, but as a society, we're facing some really detrimental and challenging situations. And we have got to do uh, better or do more or do something uh, to help these people find that the only hope of, of a practical hope in their marriages and in their relationships is to have a relationship with God first. And if we don't do it, who's going to? 
And so it's very important that we see these statistics not to overwhelm us necessarily, but they sometimes are. We get to the place where, what can I do about it? Well, you're already doing something about it, but maybe you want to see some ways that you can think about as you see these statistics that you can help us in open arms do a better job or do more. Uh, and, and realize that any successes that you see uh, that God has accomplished through open arms, you helped accomplish that. So just as much as your Bible studies that was read earlier and the prayers that you had for the, your, your people, open arms, since you've already been supporting, you've already been generous financially, some of you visited, you, this is part of your ministry, the same as any in place in Haiti or in another state or any place else. And, uh, and so it's because of people like you that these headlines are changing. And you'll see some potential headlines that never made it to the paper, but they would fit up there in, in just a little bit. You'll see some of that. And so we got in foster care. There's 8,000 children, as I mentioned, a year coming into the system at the last statistic. We, it seems like it's even deteriorating more than that. And so it's important that you pray about these things and that you realize that you're, I, I'm already addressing that. Our church is helping with that. We know a ministry. We know an organization in Greene County, right across from, right across from the Greene County Fairground between Bloomfield and Linton, about 40, 45 minutes away, unless you drive like some people we know. Um, but that's about the, the average time. And once you get it figured out, it's like anything else. And so there's our 10 acres. Uh, you'll notice in the right-hand corner, there's the administration building. When you pull in, that's where you would stop if you want to come and take a tour. Uh, you'll have a picture of it. On the left is our first building. Anybody here know where Ladoga, Indiana is? Well, if you know where Crawfordsville is, uh, just take 231 and keep going north till you fall off the planet. Um, but at any rate, um, Ladoga is in the Crawfordsville area. And that for years had Indiana Christian Children's Home and a banker in Swiss City who owns some farmland gave 10 acres in the mid and early 70s. And the first building that was built was under Ladoga and it's there at the left. And uh, so, and about 10 years later, we spun off, and they closed in 1999. They're no longer in existence, but their child, their daughter, Open Arms, continues uh, besides just a group home, which had both males and females. Now we have the three things we talked about. And so, you can see the, uh, uh, the TPEC, or Turning Point Education trailer, there on the left. And as I said, we have other sites. And then the group home uh, there in the background, uh, 8,000 square feet. Uh, here are some work groups that came uh, and uh, some things that we needed to do to get accomplished, and we are working on some things right now. Uh, recently, last year, we needed a new kitchen stove, and of course, when you bring things up to code, it was very expensive for the stove and the installation, and you see there the number of people that was able to help. Uh, we need to recarpet all of the main source. Right now, we're at the place where uh, each of the rooms needs to be remodeled and upgraded uh, for the girls' group home. And so uh, people are really blessed. There's material out there on the table. Hope you'll stop by and maybe see the outreach that we send out quarterly. Maybe you'd like to receive it. Um, they're as long as they last, but you can sign up for it. This is our quarterly newsletter. And uh, uh, there's also some other information. If you'd like to volunteer, uh, you can either sign up for that or put a note inside the, uh, uh, your uh, envelope and I think they'll be talking more about that a little bit later. Uh, if you like to play golf, you can use either a work group or some of these special of the 5K, which will be in Worthington, Indiana. 
just the first part of June, which is not too far from here. You know, some high school boys that like to do cross country, uh, get their coaches involved and uh, bring some people, go walking with them or running or do virtual, but use these times that you're alone with them and walking to introduce them to Jesus. So it's a good outreach evangelistic time to bring some friends, introduce them who Open Arms is and what we do, and uh, we, really, we really have a good time on that. And so the work groups that we already talked about, you see there's, here's different groups, some from Missouri, some from Kentucky. Uh, they come from all over to help, but uh, this is in your, your back door. Once a month, uh, we've invited churches who say, okay, we're going to take a month and we're going to have a paper drive. But what we mean by a paper drive is that you can uh, uh, get just some extra paper items. Uh, some people go to their bosses and say, hey, I got a, a 501c3. You want to make a donation of some reams and paper? Anything that's paper that would be used in an office or in a situation like we have with our group home and some of our foster parents. Uh, the right-hand uh, gentleman is a, uh, from uh, Owensville, from a church there, and uh, that, that larger group is from a church in Indianapolis. And they just collected it for a month, and then two or three of the people that hadn't been there before were invited to take it over and deliver it and take a tour and get acquainted with what we do. Our education group here was our most recent group. By the way, uh, do you realize what you're helping accomplish? In the last five years, in the last five years, we have graduated about 500 through our system, or they graduated, went back to their high schools. It was high school credit recovery. Um, according to statistics, that you have helped save society $67 million. You might want to write that down because that's hard to, no, that, that can't be. $67 million. How's that happen? Here's how it happens. If he didn't graduate from high school, if you didn't graduate from high school, you're going to cost me out of my pocket and the rest of society $240,000 in your lifetime. Either you're going to be in corrections or you're going to be on an assistance program most likely, or you're not going to be paid as much tax because you're not making as much. And so uh, that being said, each year when we graduate 10, 15, 20, 50, however many we graduate, and some years we graduate uh, as many as some of the small town uh, or rural schools graduate. And uh, we even had a lady lately, uh, two years ago, I think now, she came and pre-tested. She was 50. She'd worked in convenience stores her whole life. She was uh, 50 years old at the time. She had tried to get her GED at that time. Now we call them high school equivalency. And so she came to us, and she really worked out with our teacher really well, and she really wanted to work hard at it. She pre-tested at maybe ninth grade overall, 10th grade, and then in math, she said she was a lot worse. She sometimes goes with me uh, or it meets with me and things like this. And then uh, she, um, uh, she post-tested, though, when she took her test at college level, so much so that she's now a reporter for the Green County World. And she guess who she likes to write articles about. And she didn't know about anything but TPAC. She knew what 10 acres was, but she was taking it in Linton. And when she came and took a tour with Congressman Bouchon, he happened to be the one I said, uh, uh, do you want to come? And, and so, she, you know, as a reporter, she's supposed to follow the congressman. And the congressman, thanks to people like you, when he saw what was taking place, he put his hand on the shoulder and said, what can we do for you? His director of 19 uh, uh, counties here in southwestern uh, uh, Indiana uh, wants to have a regular list to keep track of what we're doing and see if they can think of ways that they can help us. And so uh, these are things that you've helped accomplish uh, to the level that we have on, uh, on all levels. And so 
people like you are changing those headlines, as we said a little earlier. And so um, you can make a difference in the life of a child and grown-ups now. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. And so let's look at some of these scriptures. Says, really, the bottom line is, does God give me any direction? I know He's interested in me. I know He's interested in the lost. I know He's interested in children. But do we know how interested and how important He thinks it is? You can read with me there in Exodus. We'll just read part of it. As He told the ancient Israelites in the book of Exodus, you shall not mistreat any widow or who? Fatherless child. Would you agree, even though there's some biological dads, that they're really, those kids are fatherless? Sometimes with dad there. Sometimes dad in our society in recent years has become the child's worst enemy. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I'll kill you with the sword. And so he warned them, I am really serious about the way you treat children. Well, Larry, that was Old Testament. And there is some, some circumstances we don't have time to go into on, on that. But, well, let's go to the Psalms. After all, that was just singing like we did this morning. Uh, those were songs. Yeah, well, give justice to the weak and to the who? Can't hear you. Fatherless and maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the who? But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. And as a society, which way does it look like we're heading right now? Looks like as a society nationwide, we have our work cut out for us. Is our God capable? Yes. But are we going to let him work through our sphere of influence? And so Matthew, Jesus said, whoever receives a child in my name does what? Wow. When you help with the kids at open arms or anywhere in the world, you're helping to realize that we are in the process of seeing that we are the same. We're to treat those children the same way we would treat him. Well, James summarized it maybe pretty much for the New Testament. Religion is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans or fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep self one unstained from the world. Wow, isn't that interesting to see? And so... We go on and we see there's many other statistics and some of the highlights, that's a, about a year or two old now, but those are some things that you've helped accomplish and the impact that you've had. This, uh, uh, if it's not this guy, I, I sometimes get these confused, but we've had several that could not get into the military because they, uh, they didn't have a high school diploma. You know, it wasn't too long ago you could still get in, but now you can't get in without that. And so uh, this uh, gentleman uh, came to us, and he got his GED, and uh, he, um, he, he came back after basic, and he uh, came in uniform. We took his picture. But before that, uh, he walked in, and, and the people at the reception desk, the ladies that worked there, he gave them a note, and the note basically said this, and he kind of half read it and half stated it. He said, uh, you help me fight for my education. I want to help fight for your freedom. And he saluted him. That was a salute to you folks and people like you. You didn't get to share that, but you did. And maybe there's a lot of things that you're doing in your ministry that you're not aware of that you're accomplishing. And we that do it on, on a day-to-day -day basis are glad to say thank you and work for it. Now, that's, uh, that's a young man with his adopted parents. He was 13 when he came to us. And um, that's, that's the way 
Now, now that family already had some biological children uh, that they had raised. In fact, uh, I think it would be good for you to maybe meet them. Why don't you three come on up here? And um, you may have to help this one go forward, Jody. It's not moving now. There we go. Thank you. This is Julie Morehouse. By the way, what's your name? Angelina Marie Martin Morehouse. You're a Morehouse too? Yes. Mine's a little shorter. <laughs> Jacob Morehouse. Okay. There's some of the rest of the clan. That isn't everybody, is it, Julie? No. Hey, Julie, um, you've not always been in foster care, have you? No, haven't been. Uh, how did you get into foster care? I used to work, at, well, I do again, but I worked at the group home, and we had a gal that had been adopted, and her adoptive parents decided they didn't want her anymore. So I took her home and became her guardian, and then became foster parent with that, and then they called me about Jake. Okay, how many foster children have you had through those years? 31. And how many years has that been you've been fostering? Four. Um, Foster parenting, people, there's a lot of reasons that they don't feel like they're into it, but your church could focus on your prison ministry. You could say, okay, I want to get acquainted with uh, dads and moms that have children in foster care. That way you're maybe helping the kids as well. Uh, maybe you would want to get qualified to be a foster parent, but you'd want to do respite so that mom and dad could have a date occasionally, right? Yeah. Uh, and go, I had one foster family. I said, what's the biggest need you have? Somebody to babysit just so once a month my husband and I could go just sit and eat in a restaurant. There's a lot of things that the church can do in awareness of foster care to uh, help maybe foster parents that are not involved in a church you could help reach out to them and help them with the kids and you get mom and dad, foster parents and the kids, the biological families. The field is white to harvest, would you say? I agree. How old was he when he came to you? 13. 13? Yeah. And that other picture we saw, he was 14? Yeah, 14. 14. Mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, well, I'll talk to them for okay. a little bit. All right. How old were you when you went into foster care? Seven. Seven. How old were you when you went into foster care? Ten going on 11. And how old are you now? Thirteen. Thirteen. And so you've been in foster care one other time. Yes. Then you came into this family. Yes. Now you and your two siblings have been adopted. Mm hmm Right? Okay. Now you were what age again? Seven. You were seven. And how did you happen to get into foster care? Uh, well, my mom beat me with anything and everything she could get. Name some of the things. It's, uh, usually it was a, a limb. Yeah. Uh, my stepdad would go out and help her find things and carve, I mean, carve things, anything you... Now, you were you originally kind of from this area? Uh, well, I lived in Angola, Indiana. Okay. Um, but you, then you went into, well, tell, tell us how you got into foster care originally. You're in what grade? Uh... Fifth grade? Fifth grade. Okay. And, um, but she'd been beating you for a good while. Yeah. You were a little younger than fifth grade, I think, because uh, you said it's you were been seven. A while. Yeah, it's been a while. Getting to be an old man. <laughs> um, so, uh, so at any rate, uh, you kind of were a problem at school. 
Yeah, I was your classic bully. Yeah, classic bully. And when you got in trouble at school and your mom found out about it, how'd that go over? Uh, it was a fun night. Okay. That's a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so then you were, how many foster families were you with till you got to open arms? Eight or nine. Eight or nine different foster families. How'd that work? Well, I'm here, so. No, how did it work before you got here? <laughs> Bad. You still acted out. Oh, yeah. You were on quite a bit of medicine. Yeah. In that series, did you get adopted? Yeah, I got adopted once before. Once before this, and how did that work out? Uh, well, they lied to get me into a mental hospital and then didn't pick me up on my release date. So they annulled the adoption? Right. So that other picture we had of you is when you first came or first adopted, so you were adopted when you were 14. Yeah. What, how did you feel about being adopted? Well, I mean, bad, uh, not bad, but like, you never really knew it was gonna happen after you've already had something that's failed, so. But you were in favor of trying this. Right, yeah. Why would you try this one after all you'd been through? What, what happened, what was different? They didn't tell me what was wrong with me. They asked me what was wrong with me. Instead of just branding me with a bad, you're a bad child, they tried to help. And so as you interacted and you've worked some summers at Open Arms and you've interacted because your mom is there, so you know uh, quite a few of the foster kids and you also know the girls in the group home. And your analysis now about Open Arms is what? I've been to a lot of places, and you're not going to find one like this one. And that's because? Faith. It's about faith. Okay. Um, what, what in the world possessed you to take him in, in the first place, and then decide to adopt him? Hmm. Well, when they first called me to tell me about Jake, they told me that his history was a lot like the girls I've been dealing with at the group home. Then he came, and they told me that he was a serial killer in the making. He had all of the signs, all of the, the clinical uh, terminations, terminologies of having it being a serial killer. So I don't usually believe that stuff anyway, but once I got there, I just realized he was really angry. Um, it took about a year for him to trust us, to open up, to be honest with everything he'd been through, but once he settled in and realized he could trust us, it just seemed the natural thing to do to have him stay with us. So that's why we agreed to adopt him. There's kind of an interesting situation is about when you got him, uh, the first, something was opening up for him to get to go to. Oh. That kind of, you figured that this would help get some things settled right. What was that? Yeah. Well, he's on a lot of medication, and I try to usually, I usually try to get all my kids off of all of their medication to see what we really are dealing with. Well, Jake. What was some of the medication for? Uh, mood disorder, um, oppositional defiant disorder, reactive attachment disorder, um, attention deficit hyperactivity. So he had a lot of diagnosed issues, yes. supposedly. Yes, supposedly. Okay, so back to the story. Okay. The, the, the week after we got him, they were sending him to police camp. The county said they really wanted him to go to police camp, and I thought this was great because the police can then take him off of all his medicine. <laughs> and so that's what we did. And once we got him off of everything, we realized he really didn't have a lot of these behaviors. So um, he's now not on anything and uh, doing very well. So. Okay, so when you, when you came to open arms, what was your, uh, what was your grade average? 
Uh, I was I had a 0.72 GPA. Okay, and now you're a senior, going to graduate in a few weeks. How are you doing this year? I have all A's and B's, except for physics. Physics. Don't do that. Oh, and what do you think? Well, you may not now that you got this grade, but uh, what are you thinking about uh, uh, education-wise after high school? Uh, aeronautical engineering. She and I was talking a little bit ago, and I asked her if she's glad the school's over. What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, there were, what, what happened that you got into adoption care, and that's been how many years ago? About, or, about two foster and a half? care. About yeah. two and a half years. About and two and a half, what happened? Drug abuse. By your? Why we got taken away. By your parents? Mm -hmm. And you don't know where they are now? Um, either in Indiana or Florida. And uh, so, what went? What was some of the biggest struggles that you had? You were in one other adoption situation when your parents were doing drug abuse. What was some of the biggest problems you had? Uh, my main worry was my younger siblings. It felt like I was the parent to them, so that was always my number one worry was them. And so what was different coming to open arms foster care situation compared to where you were before? I didn't have to be the parent anymore. I could actually be a kid. There was the support I needed, and there was always someone to talk to. And so <laughs> she's, she's watched Jake a few times, and then as soon as, soon as you got adopted, uh, you said what to your mom? I wanted to do the same thing Jake does. And that's why she's here today. She volunteered. She wanted to share her story and uh, what God has done through you folks uh, in open arms. Give him a hand, please. That's a hand to God and a hand to you for uh, what you have helped accomplish in something like uh, 65 other churches and hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, now you can see why uh, the, um, the one banker said to me, you're the best kept secret in the state. I said, well, what are you going to do to help us not be a secret? No, I didn't. Uh, but uh, uh, then um, that's why uh, Congressman Bouchon put his hand on our shoulder and said, what can we do to help? That's why just a few uh, weeks ago when we had a training session, a former law enforcement person is on the emergency board for Greene County, and he, they came and took a tour to, before the training, and he told me some things. I said, uh, in the training, would you mention that? And with a choked-up voice, he told our staff, and in a sense, he's telling you, do you realize the gem you have here? Do you realize the good you're doing? Thank you from someone, one of our county commissioners in Greene County. And so that applause is to you as well. And so we do how many things simultaneously? Hint, hint. Three, three from that site. And so those are three things if somebody says, well, what are you doing as a Christian? You say, well, our congregation has done this. Work groups. Ladies coming to help the girls with uh, uh, scheduled uh, spatial projects or programs. We have people come and to talk about sewing. And we have, uh, Julie, don't you guys also have a cooking cook-off or different, different things for recipes? There's all kinds of things. You can see Julie about that. Um, that and work groups, and you've seen the paper goods drive. There's a, a thousand ways to use your time, talent, and treasure uh, uh, for these kids. Uh, 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 we hope someday, uh, because of people like you, that we can take private placements and save society even more money, but more importantly, keep families out of 
the court system and then continue to have the freedom to present the gospel and tell people, uh, tell uh, families and everybody about who, who Jesus is and, and what he means. Here's a mother and daughter that recently just got their high school diplomas. Here's a, a young man that used his talent to say thank you. Leading people to Christ, particularly our girls and some of our foster children that are with us a good while, have an opportunity uh, to uh, participate with their foster family's church. So we want to thank you for helping uh, help uh, kids. As we close out our time together, um, the, uh, uh, an illustration that impacted my life years ago, and hopefully it'll impact yours, uh, because it's one I, I go to routinely in my own thinking, uh, because sometimes this just seems so overwhelming. You heard some of these stories. Can you multiply that by 10 and 15 and 20 and the kids that we don't have room for because we don't have enough foster parents uh, and, and more churches that realize that there's a harvest field out there, the biological parents, the foster parents that maybe are not churched, uh, the, the biological parents that are in jail, uh, uh, the help of the foster parents that are in the church so that uh, their, their grandparents, you become aunts and uncles and cousins to the foster kids even though they have them just for a short time. And I was reminded with all this, the overwhelming of us, of a young man that was driving, how many have been to California? Well, if you've ever seen a sunset, uh, I didn't. If I was on the east side, I wouldn't see a sunrise very often. I'm not an early bird, but on the west coast, the sun sets and it's it's really beautiful most of the time. And so this guy's driving along, and he notices about time for sunset. So he's kind of excited about seeing a sunset, and just about the time that it's going to look like it's going to get really pretty, a uh, sand dune jumps up along the road, and. So he drives a few more miles. He said, well, i got to see this. And so he stops a few more miles, and he climbs up the sand dune. And when he gets there, he notices the sun is just about ready to set. But he looks down, and there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of starfish that have washed up on the shore. Well, my, what's on? You know, we see it on the news all the time about whales and porpoises and stuff doing that, but he'd not seen starfish. And he looked down, and there's about 11, 12, 13-year-old boy, probably about Jake's age when he came to us or a little younger, and he's down at the shoreline picking up starfish and picking them up and throwing them back in the ocean. And he, he, uh, he, he just can't believe what he's seeing. So he tiptoes and jumps around and walks and goes through all those starfish, and he gets behind the guy, and he says something to him, and the young kid just keeps doing that, fast again, just a regular motion. He said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving these starfish. You're what? Saving these starfish. What? Well, there's hundreds of thousands or millions. What difference do you think you can do by throwing them in? He said, oh, make a difference to this one. Make a difference to this one. Make a difference to this one. You made a difference to that one and that one with your prayers and your interest and your support of any mission, not just us, but we're, since we're so close, we can work together and continue to partner, and you'll make a difference. But it starts with your life in relationship with Jesus. The biggest difference is when you have the Holy Spirit come in your life, and you're basing on the Word of God in such a way that it just part of kind of comes out of you, and you God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. And the first of all is get into relationship with Him. You can go to the book of Acts and see the apostles in the early church carrying out the Great Commission, and many times it was make a difference to this one, the guy in the chariot. 
Yeah, Cornelius, the Roman centurion. Lydia, the businesswoman. You see, God put people's names when they came to Christ. If you were the only one, there's still room for you, for it's your name. When he said, for God so loved your name. You need to respond to that gospel. You need to talk to those here that can help you. You need to you look at the book of Acts and see how those people responded to the gospel message. Thank you again for your help. Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for doing that, brother. Well, you've heard his heart and what God is doing through him and uh, through the, the likes of us. Well, God bless your generosity. In your bulletin is a card with uh, a place to fill it out with your name and address and things like that. So look at that and pray about it. And as God lays that on your heart, put that in an envelope with your donation and write open arms on it. So, Pastor Jeff, would you pray for us, please? Father God, we so are thankful, O oh God, for what we have heard this morning as Larry has come to share uh, what you have allowed him to do through his ministry and through those who give in support of that ministry. So, Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would lead our hearts in what you uh, would like for us to do in support of that ministry, uh, not only today, Father, but moving forward. And, Father, we thank God for everybody who's here today, oh God. We pray uh, that there is someone here under the sound of my voice that don't know you in the pardons of their sins. Father, we pray that they might know and recognize the need to come and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And Father, we know as we leave this place, we never are away from your presence. So Father, if you would go with us, oh God, and keep us until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.